0: good morning good afternoon and good evening and welcome in to episode 22 of kayfabe council show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling my name is pretty tony and alongside me as always is tf joker joker what's the crack brother what's going on
1: oh boys, it's it's getting cold it's getting dark it's getting wintry but uh otherwise it's pretty good i'm not doing too bad can't complain because who would listen, PT? Who would listen? If you
0: go on any kind of wrestling social media, there's a lot of complaining going on, and there's not a ton of listening. It's my my opinion is correct, and everyone else's is not
2: correct.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> that isn't what I was going to complain about, but now I'm going to complain about the fact that, yeah, you're right. Because that is, everybody just wants to be an armchair booker, and, uh yeah. It's not going my way, gosh darn it. Please book my superstars the way I want them to be booked. Whee. Yeah,
0: nothing wrong with a little waluigi But yeah, I feel you man. It's we're getting into sort of fall proper. We're getting towards the end of October at the time of recording, so yeah, it's getting a little cooler leaves should have already changed, and yeah, man, it's uh, getting into sort of an interesting time in wrestling, kind of when we're winding down to the end of the year, sort of some feuds are kind of cooling down, some are starting to warm up as we get into certain sections into the new year, and again, for like, for example, WBE, they ramp up with storylines going into Royal Rumble and Mania, and then obviously with AEW, for example, we got the full year pay-per-view coming up. So yeah, sort of an interesting time for wrestling for sure.
1: Yeah, WWE is going to have to start ramping up its Cody-centric storylines for his return at the Rumble and his inevitable win of the uh, the title. If you are new uh, to the show, you will soon find out that I'm a big Cody mark. Love Cody. Get the neck tattoo, but just love Cody all the same. And uh, yeah, he's going to be the new WWW, WW, 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 WWE champion, uh, holding five belts.
0: Is it a surprise return at the Rumble, or do we do promos to give it
1: away? Eh, I mean, everybody knows he's going to be at the Rumble. <laughs> like everybody knew he was going to be at the at WrestleMania. So I re- I reckon we uh we we tease. We tease, we tease, and then video silence, and then number thirty. Cody comes out, tips over, whoever's in twenty nine, and wins.
0: All right, so a little bit of surprise, kind of the old worst kept secret idea. I'm, I'm with it. So, yeah. So besides our random tangents for fantasy booking, yeah, it's been quite the interesting week. Uh, it's been a week of really decent shows. Uh, in terms of the, uh, the wrestling we have here and then sort of, uh, a mixed bag of news outside, uh, in, uh, in terms of that. So it's been quite, again, quite the interesting week in the world of professional wrestling.
1: Yeah, it definitely feels like there's a lot of loose ends being tied up outside the world of the wrestling ring in both companies, uh, whenever it comes to, uh, things after the brawl out at All Out, it all out. Um, you know, things are starting to move there, and then anything happening in and around NXT and uh, Ray Wyatt and uh, the Bloodline and stuff, um, it's all more interesting outside of the ring. But, um, yeah, it's 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 definitely getting to the time of year when we'll we're, we're starting to see where the end of these threads go. So that's what I am kind of happy about, is that I know that we've hit a couple of really good story beats. Now we've got to wait a couple of weeks for, uh, for anything really. And then, uh, we'll see the end of some of these and maybe even see some titles change hands.
0: Yeah. Begs to be seen of what's going to happen next, but there's a lot of things like Joker said, are sort of happening or going to happen or up in the air, but we're looking forward to kind of see how they play out so we can enjoy it for ourselves and potentially share it with you folks. So looking forward to that. And before we get into the show proper again, thank you all the folks who are checking out our content on the various platforms, on the video form on YouTube, as well as the audio forms, wherever you get your podcast on the platform of choice. But thank you so much for the engagement and all the, the watches, the likes, the follows, the subs, all that stuff. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right, and as mentioned, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash and in an audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at the MJF promo in which he reveals his past with William Regal. We're going to do an in-depth analysis of the promo itself and do a little discussion of their histories and the implications on what's going to happen next. With MJF, potentially William Regal himself, and the Blackpool Combat Club. So, as we get into it here, MJF having quite a bit of a promo, a fiery, intense promo on Dynamite, opposite William Regal. So, before we get into the promo proper, man, uh, I ended up watching it... Pretty much shortly thereafter, not specifically live, but man, folks were folks were stirring, folks were buzzing. I remember you were even mentioning, man, this was uh, Tony. Did you watch that promo? <laughs> I remember <laughs> you telling me. I was like, oh man, let me go, let me get definitely give it another rewatch. So
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you see that promo? Oh, you you mean the one that they improv at the end? I was like, no, 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 no. That was just a good promo. Did you see the better one? Um, yeah, th- this promo was absolutely amazing, and he even tweeted out, uh, you know, man, this is uh, MJF's best promo, they said for the hundredth time ever. I-, I had to quote retweet it like, we're going to say that hundreds of times more. It's legitimately something he does anytime he steps into the ring, uh, and has a mic in his hand. It's even when he doesn't step in the ring, whenever he has a mic in his hand, man, fire promos all the time,
0: yeah. We've We've talked about MJF a little, uh, a bunch, a little bit as, as well on the show. And I've uh, highlighted a couple of the promos and a couple of his segments, but man, the kid, Ooh, he can, he can narrate and basically just orate in a way that gets you invested, makes you feel and gets you invested in what he's saying, whether he is correct or he's incorrect you feel and by the end you you are on his side and you understand and he makes you feel and guy just man lights it up when he's on the stick and he's gotten a promo
1: yeah he knows how to control the conversation he's not going to let you change the pace of the uh of the conversation that you're having with him he will overwrite you he will take the pace he is comfortable with he doesn't want people to slow it down he doesn't want people to start being more eloquent than him because that's where he's going to lose the steam he needs to he needs to basically attack attack attack, have passion, have vitriol um, be the only one talking or at least be the faster one with the comebacks. Um, he has had the very simple uh, methodology for his promos that I pointed out before, you know, insert sports team hatred here, insert calling people fat, insert, uh, calling people smelly, because wrestling fans, um, so it's one of those things that he has a very simple formula, um, and I really like the way he does things, um, and the best thing about him is that he doesn't seem to stray too far from what he does to get uh to get past everything like you, you'll see some people try and change things from time to time um this most recent run of his he has instead of having allies he has really seen himself as out on his own so nobody has been spared his uh his barbarous tongue uh whether or not it's stokely hathaway from His allies, The Firm or it's William Regal in this upcoming promo we're about to talk about.
0: Yeah, and just to accentuate the the point you made earlier about him sort of being a a strong promo and can potentially overshadow, he's definitely, when he's in a promo either by himself, obviously he's the center of attention, but when he either comes out to interrupt someone or he's having a, a verbal sparring match with someone else, he can definitely dominate the conversation and the promo in the segment so we've seen things more recently him having a promo off or conversation with wheeler yuda again we talked a bit a little bit wheeler has been getting better um he hasn't had a ton of promos but again you get reps and you work with somebody who's better than you you can get better so he did wheeler did a decent job obviously you remember what mjf kind of was saying or kind of him highlighting in that or you go into when we've had segments against someone else potentially like a Moxley or a Hangman somebody else who can also is a little bit more versed as well as cutting a promo you can kind of see them sort of go back and forth where it's MJF does have some sort of memorable parts that he can be dominating but it's not sort of overwhelming so you can kind of see the the two aspects of the conversation that ends up happening when MJF has these promo segments.
1: Yeah, but like if you also look at everything like that is the major focal point of his control. Like he is in control the entire time. The times whenever he has been interrupted or been thrown off, you can really see him start to squirm. Um, and you can see that more with people who he has promoted with, like the likes of Cody, the likes of William Regal. Um, not so much Moxley, because Moxley really doesn't care. Uh, Moxley has this sort of air about him. It's like, dude, are you done talking so I can beat the tar out of you and see what color your blood is? Um, you know, if it was anybody else, they're, they're always like, okay, Max, well, what do you want to say about me this time? It's like they just let him do it. Um, whereas uh, Wheeler-Yuda was like, well he was trying to get under the skin of Max which is what you should do Like Wheeler was trying the formula that nobody wants to try because it's a dangerous formula because you do leave yourself open for him to to, uh, just admit to everything and just be like, well yeah, that is exactly what I do and it works because I'm better than you and you know it etc, etc, etc like but Wheeler at least tried it. Everybody else is just the apathetic.
2: Eh,
1: yeah, sure, Max. Whatever, dude. Can you come into the ring now? It's like no, I'll come in whenever I'm good and ready. Um, you know, exactly. It's it's one of those things that he is very precise in how he talks, and uh, people are. I don't want to say done with him, but they don't seem to want to challenge him on the mic because I, I don't know whether or not it's it's the fact that they just really don't care enough about challenging him on the mic because everybody's just always going to be like oh well MJF's the better promo because he's been doing it for now two and a half years where he has been this guy on the mic like you you know more of his promos than you do his matches like you would remember more of those promos than his matches um, and this one's going to be no different. Uh, and it's not to take away from his wrestling ability. Like he is—he's—he's he's trained. He's capable. He is very good in the ring. Like it's not one of those things that I'm going to take away from that. Um, it's just that one overshadows the other.
0: Yeah, it's one of those. And then uh, I'll final point to emphasize your retort here is, yeah, it's one of those that it's always a slightly different dynamic when you have somebody who has a strong character or a stronger promo skill when they are in a segment with MJF, it's definitely a different dynamic than per se when he's doing just a full fledged promo by himself. So it's definitely a little, little change of pace, but yeah, you, for lack of a term, you always remember an MJF promo, regardless of what it is.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. All right. We get into the promo here. Proper starts us off with William Regal coming to the ring, going to be interviewed by Tony Schiavone about the Blackpool Combat Club's title matches. However, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, interrupts before he can even get about three words out. Regal gets his brass knuckles out, but MJF tells him he can put those away. He's just here to talk. And MJF wants to tell a story, and Regal's going to listen to it no matter how long it is, because he owes him that. Friedman asks Cincinnati to bear with him and begins. Friedman says he was 19 in training, and he got pulled aside by his trainers, Pat Buck and Brian Myers, and they said, congrats, kid, your hard work paid off. MJF got some WWE extra work, and it may not sound like much, but it's an opportunity, and he packed his gear in his best suit and drove off to it. He and the other extras lined up, and William Regal told them that they're going to have a pre-show tryout match. And they were set, uh, set up against random opponents, and Jeff was set to go on second. And the onlookers were as follows.
2: Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, Adam Pierce, and William Regal. The first match locked up,
0: and Dean rang the bell immediately and told them to get out of the ring. Max was shaken like a leaf, but he knew he was fighting, not fighting for a contract, But he was fighting for his life, because professional wrestling is his life. When the match was over, and he was soaking wet, victorious, and the coaches looked at him like he had eight heads. So, interesting start off here. Again, we get a little bit of an insight to MJF's personal life here as he pulls the veil back, giving a little bit of his younger self, younger Max here. We see a little bit of that with the punk interaction, telling him the story of him waiting for the meet and greet and the picture with him and and how the kids teased him and everything like that. He felt like he belonged, but it was the greatest day of his life. But for punk, it was a Friday type of thing. And it's always the interesting and wonderful setup to stories we get you, you hook in with a little bit of relatability you know get that crowd invested kind of see i'm i'm a human too you know i'm i'm one of you guys i'm the oi polloi i'm one of the populace i'm one of the people i'm one of the common folk you know i'm just like you type of thing so yeah just getting really interesting start and hot dang that must be super intimidating To be in front of those four guys, I mean we've got two horsemen in Art Anderson Dean Malenko World's champion five times over Adam Pearce and of course you can't understate the incredible uh, Aptitude of his lordship William Regal
1: Yeah, just those names alone got pops um, Whenever he was reading the names out about who was uh, Who was there the fact that he said the, the first match, you know, Dean Malenko rang the bell immediately. Uh, if, I, if that was me, right? If that was me, uh, and my first match, or the first match before me, kind of got rung off immediately, I would be beside myself with anxiety, nervous, uh, and I would be soaking going into the ring because I would just be like, sweating profusely like that match lasted 30 seconds i was going to watch them to see what not to do and now i gotta go in and perform and you're just like what um and then you got you know like you said arn anderson dean malenko adam pearson and uh lord william regal stood right there um and you've got to put on a put on a match as best of your ability everybody has an origin story um, and this is just another chapter in MJFs. It's great to see uh, that, yeah, we, we, we see these different people. He has these uh, connections with, like, the punk stuff. And now we're seeing the, the regal stuff. Um, because it's not a part of the characters that we get to see. Um, we never get to hear of the Trials and Tribulations until maybe later on down the line. This is a guy is really young, really in the early stages of his career, um, as he stated before, is going to be one of the biggest deals in the bidding war of 2024, and that's nothing to be understated. But if you take the idea of that, and then relate it to this, you're like, well, he was just a kid, and he is just another guy trying to make his way in the world. This was the next step in the evolution of MJF. How did this mould him. And uh yeah, having those four guys look at you like you have eight heads after uh after however long they got. Um I'm sure the emotions are running high. You were like, maybe did I do something wrong? You know, did I do this, that, and the other? Was was I did I accidentally do one of their moves and now they think that I'm an idiot because I didn't do one of their one of their moves correctly. Um, so yeah it was it was really interesting to see this side of the, the, the second chapter in the evolution of MJM.
0: What's the saying about a village, a villain's origin story? It's the villain is just a hero whose side or origin you haven't heard before or something of that nature is sort of the quote, but it lends itself to,
2: again, it's just
0: someone else's story that you may not be familiar with. A lot of times. So in that in that analogy, you know, obviously the hero a lot of times, and it's been beaten over the head in films, especially in the last twenty years. We get origin stories for days, right? uh Batman's yep. famous for it. I mean, geez, Louise, how many times have we seen how that? Did,
1: how did he? What was his origin story again? Was it something to do with a, an alleyway? His mom and dad, something like that. There.
0: Yeah, he he was just a ninja. That was also something like that. Yeah, that's all that was. But yeah, I think it's one of those where. You know, we, if we're familiar with how the person's uh, origin per se, then we can, we can align, we can identify, right? But it's sometimes when you don't see that other side of the coin and you don't know where that person's coming from, it's hard to identify, it's hard to align, it's hard to get on their side type of thing. It's hard to understand, is really what I'm going with. So, again, a little bit of humanizing piece for MJF. Again, he does a really good job of garnering that sympathy. Dude's a heel through and through, right? This character is a heel character. Does he get cheered? Yes, he does. 100%. Um, there's a, a loose association, right? Um, right. Again, he's a heel. He'll admit he's a heel. He does heel things. He has heel promos. Yes. Um, interesting note. I just kind of thought of it sort of uh, last week, right? Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Attitude error. Total heel. Right, comes in, just beats people up, you know, uh kidnapped McMahon and, and and did that little thing and, you know, held a prop gun to his head and made him piss his pants and kind of thing like total heel actions, but he was portrayed as a baby face and he got cheered. So, you know, slightly different, but again, it's just it's one of those where you can you can do heelish things and get cheered. But the uh going back again to to bring it home here, man, when you talk about uh, you know, wrestling is an entertainment sport as well and the nature of folks who sort of aren't familiar with the the nature of extra work. Think of it like folks are a little bit more more familiar with television and movies, where folks are, when they're looking to become an actor, right, they may not be able to get sort of a starring role as either the lead or a co-star, or get a sort of a speaking role. Sometimes they can get work as extras, right? Folks in the background, folks maybe just get like, you know, as a waiter in a scene, and be like, you know, it's something simple to kind of get your foot in the door, so that you can kind of get on set and start working with, uh, getting people, uh, relationships, right, and understanding sort of how a set goes, and and meeting folks, and kind of getting the lay of the land. This is a very similar process where you get your connections. In this, in this case, Pat Buck and Brian Myers, MJF's trainers, use their connections, ended up getting him some extra work ergo got him put in a situation where he can be in front of the likes of Arne Anderson and Malenko and Pierce and William Regal and kind of do that. So again, you get to see sort of how the backstage is, meet some folks, in this case have a tryout match. So might seem like a very small thing, but huge opportunity for folks. And that's why we've seen folks, again, get some extra work for various different companies, and have gone on to sort of jump on those opportunities. We think about the WWE a number of years back. We're in the UK, and we saw the likes of Sheamus and Wade Barrett work as extras as security guards in a DX segment type of thing. We've had Keith Lee Uh, Become a security guard and get laid out by Triple H and Vince McMahon. We've had Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa work as extras type of thing. So again,
1: we have had Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, and uh, who was the other one? Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss were all extras in Triple H's WrestleMania uh, entrance. And even MJF is in an NXT hallway scene escorting Samoa Joe, of all people, to the ring this is possibly the one that he was on about that he got this extra work um you know it, it was kind of funny because as soon as he said the extra work this this hallway scene popped into my head where he tries to go ahead of joe and joe just slams him into the wall and you're like <laughs> and Jeff. and you're just like okay cool this is this must be the promo work he's on about yeah
0: but to bring it home right again it's just it might seem like a small opportunity but again it it lends itself to again meeting meeting folks garnering connections just getting the chat seeing how a sort of big operation goes and it's very important and it's it's a huge opportunity for a lot of folks and for some it may just be the closest they ever get to kind of fulfilling their dream to become a professional wrestler
1: yeah and here's the dangerous side to that um austin to your point was meant to be that heel guy he was meant to go against the green he was meant to be that bad guy and he just kept getting cheered and cheered and cheered until he was the babyface. Like, that is the problem. Everybody hated McMahon, so inevitably he became the babyface. That is how that... that basically shook out that way. Now, was he sort of a a, a kind of uh, tweener at some point? Maybe for a little bit. But that's because he was still doing those heel actions, but he was still trying to be uh, a hail, but he was still being treated like a babyface. It was kind of a little bit of muddy, and then he was stone-cold that we love to— we love to cheer, and we love to talk about today. Um, But this is, like you said to your quote, is a villain is just a hero whose origins you don't know. If we find out too much about MJF's origins, if we sympathize with him too much, Where does the line from Hale to relative personality and babyface become switched? Because, yes, he is a Hale character. I will completely agree. He is a Hale character. Unpopular opinion, this is turning him into a tweener. And this is the problem I have with it. He is a really good Hale character in an organization that does not have very good Hale characters. There are a couple of them that are good, but he is an outstanding character. Do we need to see all the chapters of his origin stories? Do we need reason for him to hate William Regal in the Blackpool Combat Club? Is this what we're trying to set up for MJF? Like, does that matter to us? Are we, are we having to have his entire backstory before he fights everyone? Is this the way it's gonna go? We're gonna get it like an Avengers, an Avengers Endgame style uh, you know, build-up until he fights every single person because no harm. I don't want that. I was fine with MJF taking on CM Punk like that. That was perfectly fine. I was fine with this little this little segment, but that's because he's getting to the Jon Moxley
2: thing. Like Hmm.
1: i don't want to see this become a trend because i don't need to see you know the whole this was back when i was three you were best friends with my dad and you didn't put me on your knee and call me a cute boy so i'm just going to punch you in the jaw mr whoever he's shooting with next It's like, I put you in a headlock when I was 16 and you no-sold it whenever we were in training and I didn't like you for that. Like, It's like, (sighs) come on, bro.
0: You and I and the the folks who have listened to this show a long time know that we find value or storylines are important for us and for context. If it makes sense, then we're invested and we can go with it. All I'll just say is that this piece of trying to add why am I why am I interrupting William Regal? Obviously, okay, I'm gonna John's the champion. You're sort of his guru slash manager slash person who oversees or overlooks his his faction in a sense. So if I can kind of get under your skin, maybe gets under John's skin, gets him slightly off his game type of thing, might have a small advantage. But if I can add a little bit of context. Okay, this makes sense sort of why I'm kind of attacking you. So, all I'm saying is that a little bit of context helps sort of connect the dots, which I'm okay with, but I am in agreement with you if this becomes a trend and every person that he 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 ends up feuding with, not having a match per se, but feuding with, right? And we're going to have a bit of a program. He does this sort of uh this, this Joker, I have uh, I've had all these different origins or this devil's i, adv- I got these scars. Yeah, this, this Al Pacino devil's advocate I've had so many names type of thing, you know, yeah. going back to the devil thing, little connection there, giggity but, yeah as so long so long as we can understand why I'm good with it but let's maybe potentially don't have it be a trope
1: Yeah, like, does this add more to the characters yes it does do we need it i would argue no because we don't get that from everybody else so we don't get that from anybody else who's coming through like the ricky starks of the world we don't get it from the jungle boys you know we don't get it like oh, the, the the extent of the jungle boys is oh, you were my best friend way wait, wait wait and now it's like we're fighting cool uh, you don't get it from anybody else, like the Johnny Hungies. Whoever they're fighting with, we don't have the backstory. Um, but does this add to it? Yes, it does. Is it necessary? Argue would be no. Is it fun? Hell yes. Because seeing MJF in a ring with William Regal, trying to out-promo him, like this is, this is just really, really good entertainment.
0: Agreed. Alright, we continue on here. As MGF continues his promo, Regal led him into a room and told him he had three minutes to sell himself, and boy, did he sell himself. By the time he was done talking, Williams' jaw was on the floor. And then he'll never forget what Regal said Quote, Kid, I'm gonna get you a job today. He realized that he'd never be looked at as the five foot nothing, ADD riddled Jewish boy. He was gonna be a WWE superstar. And then Regal asked how old he is. Friedman said he's 19. And William told him, sorry, you're too young. But he gave him hope. And he said if he puts his name on somebody, they get signed. And he named Claudio Castagnoli, Ryan Danielson, and John Moxley. When you become of age, I'll personally put my name on you. But until then, I want you to work your ass off. And send me a match and a promo. Every month. So MJF went home and busted his ass. Regal replied for the first two months, and then month three, he sends Max a promo that he's read every single day since, and he's going to read it live. Quote Max, I'm a very busy man. Make a name for yourself in this wrestling business, and when you're one of the top in the world, we'll hire you in WWE. It's a letter where Regal told him to stop sending videos of his acting skills, and unfortunately the game has changed, and WWE only hires top-class athletes. But when you're one of them, maybe send your stuff. That's the email he sent to a child with a dream, and he squandered it. Max gets choked up, talking about how he wanted to quit wrestling, and quit his life, he wanted it to end.
2: And then he realized that if he did, Regal and all the naysayers would win. And he couldn't have that. Ooh, boy. We talk about just laying it on and just you get some,
0: some verbiage or you get some advice from somebody that you look up to and that you maybe trust and that you really admire and they give you something like that man what the crestfallen nature i could only imagine is just ooh and he and you felt the passion in his voice and he got choked up in the end and he let you he let you know how he felt
1: oh yeah yeah like he definitely did not mince his words here um pt obviously reading out like the censored version um where you know there was a little bit more vitriol there. Uh, please do go and watch this promo if you haven't. It, it is such a good promo, um, and he was right in the face uh, of of William Regal whenever he was saying, "I couldn't have it." You know, I couldn't have everybody else win. I couldn't have everybody win over me because they've been. Essentially, he was implying that everybody had been winning uh, over him, and he couldn't take it anymore. And the fact that he wasn't going to let this slide, he wasn't going to let it happen. Uh, He'd been proving people wrong and he was going to continue proving people wrong. And this is what he was going to set out to do. Um, Like, you know, just anybody who has been put down, who has been uh, victimized in school, like we heard before how he was victimized by the football team in school, victimized by his peers for liking wrestling and, and seeing CM Punk. Here it was like, well, this is the one place where I belong, and now I'm being told that I don't belong because the game has changed around me in two short months. Uh, how dare they? Uh, you know, build build this dream up even more, um, and then you know, do this to me. And um, in in his sort of youth, uh, and he's still, he's still really young. But in his, in his youthful exuberance, he looks at it and he goes, you know, this is, this is what I'm going to be. This is, this is who I am, and this I am a WWE superstar. Uh, for all intents and purposes, this is what is going to happen. This I am 100% here. And then he gets told the game has changed. The game will always change. Um, coming from a standpoint of uh, a very cynical person, myself, um the game always changes around you before you know before you've even stepped foot into the game it will have changed by the time you get to the dance the dance is over anybody who wants to say otherwise is kidding themselves because sports and sports entertainment is constantly evolving with the attitudes and the uh input of the fans we can talk all day every day about who wants to be pushed by the fans and who is pushed by the industry, and we can complain about WWE who they do not push quickly enough, and who they are a wee bit slow on, and who fans will constantly get behind in order to, to get you know to get them to be pushed. See the likes of Liv Morgan, Daniel Bryan, uh, Jeff Hardy, you know things like this here where fan support Kofi Kingston as well, uh, were you know people who have had fan support in that company have eventually been taken on and pushed a wee bit further. And this is the same thing with the backstage, the the, the developmental sort of side. Now we know, as fans, that WWE only wants to take on athletes, they don't want indie wrestlers, they don't want indie darlings anymore. They want athletes that they can mold into wrestlers. And that is tough to take for somebody who wants to be a wrestler, not somebody cosplaying as a wrestler, as I'm sure he kind of thought that these people were uh, thinking that he had to be. And it was such a beautifully uh, sentimental uh, promo, and this is the part that sort of grabbed everybody and pulled them in and went, this. Is what i am about
2: this is who i am and this is where the intent of my future is going to lie i will not let you win by hook or by crook i will get what i want and it, it it's absolutely excellent
0: you think about what does it take to be successful right you think about folks that you always try to make yourself better than you were the day before. And you you hit it right on the head about sort of evolving and evolving in this business or evolving in any hobby or business that you're in. You got to keep up with the times. You got to constantly be learning, and making yourself better and listening to what's kind of going on in the peripherals and in the world of your world. In this case, the fans have input and stuff like that. But yeah, you want to be sort of reinventing yourself that you can stand out and be the person that people look at and people want to listen to in the room and in the world. And at that point in time, right, you talk about Max is playing on tropes of sort of that old school 70s and 80s heel, which again, it's refreshing because it's, you know, 30, 40 years old, but a lot of those. Character traits still transfer over and still resonate. That's why you see Max doing so well. You see right um, I think Elias who just came back in the WWE was was always spot-on with He'd do the strum and be like hey local sports team, right? These little tropes they work well You get heel heat, right it, it these things work but to Regal's point again, you want to make sure that you are Reinventing that you're evolving that you're getting better, that you can be the one that stands out. So at this time, we think about what Max is, what, 26? This was, he's like 19 at this point. Let's just call it 2015, 2016-ish ballpark. We're very much in the VKM era of we're looking for athletic people. We're still in the vein of sometimes, you know, we're not getting all of the indie darlings, but... We're starting to progress under that VKM piece of like, hey, I want I want athletic people. I want college athletes. I want just folks from other walks of life. You think of the Casey Catanzaro's from American Ninja Warrior. You think about folks from football and from various other sports and rugby and Yaka things Bel-Air. like that. Yeah, just a, a phenomenal track athlete, right? Crazy, crazy athletic people that they can, all right, we can mold in our image. But yeah, it's one of those pieces where like you said, this is his dream. He wanted to be a wrestler type of thing. And, you know, you get, you get some training. You get some stuff on the indies. You know, you're practicing things like that. And then, again, when you feel like you're really progressing and you're really, you feel like you're doing well and you're at the top of your game and you get somebody like the likes of a William Regal, again, renowned for his character work, again, very much a shooter, guy can go in the ring, obviously this is an opinion of somebody you want to listen to, and when he tell you something like that, where, you know, they're looking for athletes, when you're, when he says, when you're one of the top in the world, we'll hire you, make a name for yourself in this business, kid, it's man, that just takes everything away from you, the bottom falls out, and yeah, and again, he let him know, but where I'm going with this is, even in spite of that, he got sort of what he needed, that little fire underneath him to say, you know what, uh, screw you, I'm right, screw you, you know, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get there, and you know what, I'm kind of, I'm doing it for me, but I'm doing it uh, to spite you.
2: Hmm. I, I, just, I just love that aspect of it, that he's doing it to spite people. Um, and that's what keeps him solidly hail for now. And to Regal's point a little
0: later on, and he's talked to other people some people it's it's different motivation. Some people you can have you can have that sit down, I'm gonna look you in the eye. This is this is the two or three things I want you to work on, and that's the motivation. Some people need a slightly different motivation. Some people need that, like, scared straight type of thing. It's different for everybody. That's why there's no cookie cutter system. You talked about, you even mentioned it, like, you get all these phenomenal athletes and and all these different things and and developmental. And you can be the greatest athlete and you can be the top person in your sport. But sometimes that just doesn't translate or doesn't click in, say, for the world professional wrestling. So that's why, you know, we have, much like in, in, a, in a baseball or a football, uh, both American football and in, in football itself, you get youth sports, right? So many kids play these sports, right? And you, as, you, as the field narrows, as you get into amateur and sort of, you know, collegiate and then into a, the minor leagues and then into the top, the pros, right, the pro levels, it's the triangle because it gets narrow and it's the top of the top and the best of the best that get there. Not everyone's going to be able to, to either make it to the dance, like you said, or even just be, be on the team at the top level or just be one of the, the best athletes in the world. So again, whatever it is that you need motivation to get you there, sometimes it's just a little different for everyone, but you got to find it.
1: You do. And um, you have to, in this particular industry, I find that you have to keep finding it. You have to keep getting the motivation to move on, to not stand still, not be stagnant. Chris Jericho is a really, really good example of this. He isn't the same character that he was 20 years ago. He isn't the same character he was two years ago. You know, he constantly evolves, keeps himself fresh, and keeps himself in the game through body transformations. You know he gets he gets ripped, uh, and you know he does an awful lot of uh, really good work there. Um, and through just the people who he hangs around with, like Max, for all his uh, for his um, faults, he has remained the same character since turning on Cody all those years ago. Like he has not evolved past being. Uh, I'm better than you and you know it, and I'm just going to be the heel, I'm going to win by everything. But we we are finding now, through these chapters of MJF's evolution, that we don't need to see the evolution of how MJF works now, because we're getting to see the history from where he evolved from, naive little boy, into cynical young adult into manipulative uh young man and that is how his character is now uh established um and it's always nice to see the uh it's always nice to see that progression in front of our faces but the fact that we have um the end result
2: just makes mjf a more complete character for me
0: I agree with you. We continue on here. As we left off with the Regal saying he would be the naysayers and he's not going to let any of them and all of those folks win. We continue on. Now, here they are and the tables have turned. It's 2022 and Regal is just a sad, withered old man who got fired. Now he snuck into this company like a flea-bitten rat sucking onto talents far better than he was ever, like a succubus. And MJF is only 26. He's a generational talent who as his former employers would be willing to kill for in a bidding war of 2024. He wants Regal to look at him nice and good. And he reads that email every day whenever he needs a good hearty laugh because that's what he's become. Nothing more than a joke. Whereas Max is about to become the AW champion because his name is Maxwell Jacob Friedman and he's better than you and you know it. So we see the nice little uh, exclamation point on this promo here. Brings it right back. Gave us a little bit of insight and it says, all right, I got you right where I want you because I'm better than you and you
1: know it yeah he he said the thing, like he did the thing, you know what I mean he it's like everybody's just kind of waiting for him to say it. It's like I'm better than you, and you know it. Um, what a wonderful end to his section of this promo, this back and forth uh he He obviously had little uh fits in there where he was um perturbed, shall we say, by William Regal giving him smirks, not looking at him uh you know saying look at me when i'm talking to you and just uh getting really annoyed and upset um that is the sort of thing that other people need to do in their promos with mjf um and it worked here because it was somebody that mjf respected at one point in his career whether or not he's going to admit to to still respecting regal now um but it was just so good this was a wonderful uh a wonderful end to his uh his section of the promo here. Um, I, I <laughs> you had to finish off with I'm better than you and you know it.
0: It's one of those where, especially if you're gonna have a longer promo or you, you're kinda giving a speech or you know, all these different things. If you end strong, you kinda do that that little quick summation and then have that sort of that punchline at the end. You can potentially bring folks back who maybe wavered, especially if it's a longer promo, things like that, but yeah that little piece about you know what, just taking a shot at Regal, sticking and and clinging on to people better better than he was, and, and he's a succubus and things like that, and then I'm about to be the champion because I'm MJF and I'm better than you. So again, that strong finish type of thing just really sort of reinforces the fact that the context, boom, little shot, punchline. so yeah, I thought it was I thought it was all together we broke it up sort of in like these mini chapters, but yeah, man, just, Ooh boy. Another strong promo from Max. Uh, I agree with you on that hundred percent.
1: Yeah. He's, he's, he's got plenty more in the tank. This was a really, really good one.
0: All right. Now we see Regal's retort and response here. William Regal responds saying he had to fight grown men at 16 to break into this industry. And he saw exactly what he saw then. And now you see somebody who he knows is going to be a big, big star, and he wanted to light a fire under him. And we live in a world where you can't be a teenager getting smashed by huge men. Pause. If a bloody email is what it took to get MJF here, and he held on to that for seven years, he's had it easy, sunshine. And that's exactly it. He's had it easy. They spent several times together, mentoring the, mentioning that MJF needs to practice promos, talk every time he brushes his teeth, so that when you pick up a microphone, people listen. He sees that what an incredible talent he is, and before Friedman was born, he was insulting Mr. Shivani and beating people up, And he never put a hand on Tony because he's a decent villain. And he knows Shivani isn't part of the game.
2: He knew Max had it in him. And he's let him down because he takes shortcuts.
0: Again, nice little retort here. We have some relatability here. Again, for the folks that aren't aware that Regal comes from a very sort of old school piece. He was young, as he mentioned. He was 16 as a teenager Ended up uh, sort of running away from home, joined the circus. Actually, when we had sort of legit true carny. When the wrestling has its origins in the carnival circus, where we had sort of the strongman or the grappler would just face random folks at the carnival. You know, pay you know five cents, ten cents, ten pence, whatever it was, to fight the strongman, fight the wrestler person. At the uh, at the traveling circus so William Regal has his has his origin sort of in that sort of older piece in uh, the Blackpool region and then again he just trained with shooters and all these kind of different sort of old-school grappling so the dude the dude's tough if you if you ever want to know how tough William Regal is just watch any match and some of them are available on the network in WCW with matches with the Belfast bruiser, Fit Finley. <sighs> just talk about just getting punched in the mouth and literally just guys just taking shots and, and fighting stiff. But yeah, man, he, he knows a thing or two about kind of having to fight, and that's what he wanted to help potentially save Max from having a little bit of a tough way that he got in but like he said tried to light a fire under max and that's what he needed
1: i mean he he did it and he, and he knew, knows how to light the fire under young stars um the easiest way is to dangle dangle the fish in front of them see if they wanted enough and then take it away from them and say you're not what we want go away and do this and come back and like if if max's journey had have ended there if Max had of you know not been the type of person to want to uh be uh outdone. He didn't want to be out outdone, outclassed, outstripped by anyone, then that would have been the end of his wrestling career. We wouldn't have seen MJF, we wouldn't have seen what he could have become. But is William Regal wrong for doing that? No. I don't think it's wrong to try and push this kid to
2: be the best version of himself if he
1: wants to be in a cutthroat industry where people are literally putting themselves through the worst pain imaginable like a lot of wrestlers have done for many generations like this is not an easy job you will go through a lot of pain and it is not something that i personally would pick i love the sport i love watching i love just the spectacle of it but i could not take the bumps i could not take the you know the the dings the the bruises the fighting through constant pain like i fell uh, a few months ago and bruised my coccyx and i was i was just Un- unhelpable <laughs> like i couldn't have done anything I, I i honestly did not want to move and like if i had been in a wrestling ring where that might have happened on a regular basis i'd be useless so building this guy up giving him
2: sort of a a look into
1: disappointment to want to fight to want to overcome push through the adversary um then yeah then yeah he he's 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 completely right to do that because this is the guy that we've got and honestly the mjf that we've got is probably better than the mjf that we would have got had you know maybe we seen uh william regal go yeah we'll take him in he goes into nxt and then jobs out to anybody vkm decides he wants to put put down there
0: it's a tough part because you think about people that succeed all the time. It's phenomenal and it's great, but it's really those failures and those times when you don't succeed is when you're going to learn the most and learn the most about yourself. You know, when you fail at something that you want and it doesn't quite go as planned or you just doesn't work out, is it something you're going to keep trying? Are you still passionate? Are you still going to be resilient in this thing that you want. Those are those learning opportunities, and those are those learning moments. And this was an opportunity for Max that Regal gave him. That you know what you to your point about sort of the dangling the fish or dangling the carrot. All right, you got a little bit of exposure. You got a match in front, uh, a trial match in front of these guys. William Regal's giving you a little bit of personal time, but giving you some advice, keep at it. Now with that advice is that, are you still going to work towards the thing that you want? Obviously we see that he does, but it's, yeah, I think, when you have those moments, those sort of sink or swim, is this going to be the end or are you going to continue? Those are those real sort of life altering, you know, fork in the road moments that, we gonna keep doing this or not? And luckily, we did so.
1: And to counter William Regal's point, though, this th- this whole sequence of events shows that he's not a man that took shortcuts. Like that is the the truest sense of like we we know from a storyline point of view, like he sees him as a man who wants to take shortcuts. But from the kind of man who we learn and from the start of the promo to the part of the promo we're at now. Like we, we see that he's not a man who's taking shortcuts, like he is working his behind off to get to where he is, do what he needs to do, and he's not taking the shortcuts, he's doing the work. He did the R's in front of the mirror with the toothbrush, the, in an empty room, you know, whatever it was, he did the R's in the ring on the indies, we all know that he's he's had fights with Wheeler Yuda on in the indies as well, and as a bunch of other people. Um, so I mean, it's 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 not as if he had
2: the shortcuts. It's really good to
1: see that he did light that fire under his ass, and that he did sort of get to this point of progress where he is stood in a ring with Lord William Regal for Carnet kind of Life.
0: Yeah, again, just good learning opportunity for for Max, and again, like we said, we saw him progress and. Up until the point where he's at now, and it's just great to see. And this is a technique, it's not always the perfect technique, but a lot of good things with being a mentor or being a resource or being a good leader and not a boss is to motivate your folks and motivate your charges to try to get the best out of them. And it's not always exactly in a handbook and it's not cookie cutter, and you have to. Be different and and work with each individual because again if you know myself i'm going to be a different person and need sort of different motivating and different pieces than say you joker or to the to, or to the folks listening again we're all a little different we all might need a little bit different so again this is the path or the sort of direction that william regal chose with mjf and like we said it seemed to work out
1: yeah like william regal had obviously been through a situation uh where he has come into contact with a lot of people to your point you have to be a good reader of people to see what is going to come in uh the the long run is going to be the benefit for them uh like like you said you're going to learn differently from me you're going to be motivated by different things than i am uh, and if someone tried to use the same technique on on you that they use on me, they would get drastic, diff- drastically different results from from one to the other. Um, and it's not to say that William Regal hasn't done this exact same technique on another on a dozen other Maxwells um, that you know whose story we will never get to hear because they gave up when it was indeed the motivational factor for one of those individuals but it was the wrong one for the other guys. So 100%, you're completely correct that this might not have worked for everybody, and this is the only person that it has worked for. Um, It's just very difficult to see, but in this sort of cutthroat industry, as I was uh, trying to say before, is um, you might not always want to uh, flood the industry with uh, the same kind of people over and over and over again.
2: Agreed. We see the go home here as William Regal continues addressing
0: Maxwell. He says, Max, excuse me, he says, MJF hasn't proven anything yet. Just because he's getting paid lots of money doesn't prove anything. He pays people money and uses the ring, the dynamite diamond ring, because he needs them. Regal uses the Nux just because he likes them. Max wants to be the devil, do it right. Beat everybody that stands in front of you. Take whatever liberties you want. But if you want to be the devil, show the world. Regal turns around and asks if Max is just going to take another shortcut so he can whine and cry. Friedman puts the diamond, diamond ring on. Regal stretches out his arms and turns around. With a sad nod of his head as MJF exits
2: the ring. And he tells MJF he still has a lot to prove. Fade to black. Curtain down. Just and we talk about yet another sort of exclamation
0: point and ending to there. Regal coming back, firing shots. Again, another, basically the premise here, another motivating factor we just literally spoke about is this the slight is this the specific motivation that max needed here's another opportunity regals given him another piece of advice another learning opportunity another piece to motivate him we're going to see how it hopefully plays out i don't know but we end up seeing him being a what was the the adage a decent villain, and didn't specifically take the shot, so interesting turn right here
1: yeah, um whether or not uh this is going to be a part of the story going forward, it's like you know I didn't do it because x or I didn't do it because y um i i I liked this part uh of the promo because. William Regal controlled this part of the conversation and it freaked MJF out and that's what I loved to see. He
2: did not allow Max to
1: get in his way of telling what he needed to tell, of saying what he needed to say and acting out what he needed to act out. He even turned his back and knew he was calling him out. He knew how to press the buttons and he was pressing he was pressing the big red button. He was like, you know, you're just gonna you're just gonna cheat again and you just you're using that ring because you have to, not because you just like to. It's like you've only ever used it to get the win. You haven't used it because you've just been beating the tar to people and you, you've you've put your hands on Mr. Skiavone. Like, you know, go ahead and uh and and deal with that whatever what way you will. Um like it's just one of those things that I love about Regal is like his promos
2: his promos sound so uh
1: what's what's the what's what's the word it's just they just sound so sleazy. Like he's trying to get into he's just trying to push the buttons and he's just like, I know what's gonna get you to punch me in the face and then I'm gonna knock you out with my brass knocks. he's just he's a sleaze ball, and I love him. And I think he's great. And if there's anybody who probably came out on the uh, better end of this promo, it was actually Regal in uh, you know, in a competition where the other person was MJF, I would honestly say William Regal came out on top on this one.
0: And Regal does it in a manner where it's slightly charming, even though he's yes. he's poking poking the bear in a sense. Yeah. Yes. This is a very interesting dynamic that I didn't allude to as I was narrating this section here. So we have MJF come out and address Regal, and Regal is obviously absorbing the narration and the story, and there's little inflections, and he's doing this little, Joker, you mentioned at this little smirk when he said a certain line and, and kind of giving these faces and things of that nature. And then we have the retort from Regal. Where Regal gets his time, and then he addresses Max, and he's saying his piece. And again, we get these little mannerisms from Max, and we get these little pieces. And again, towards the end, he's just getting—he's getting that sort of scowl on his face, and he's kind of reacting. And you know, when he talks about the uh, the piece about the shortcuts, Regal turns around, and we see you know Max kind of reaching into his pocket. He's gonna put the ring on, and kind of like bow up and type all these things you get this so much more context when you can have the the acting or the mannerisms and the reactions to these pieces. We've seen a number of promos where you have the back and forth. I'm going to say my piece. Oh, I'm going to cut you off right there and kind of kind of you know, you get a little bit different dynamic. And there's times and places for those types of promos, but when you can have, I've got my message. Boom, you react. Then here's your retort. You have your message, and then I react. You let the gravitas of the words and my reactions sink in, and you basically want the leave the fans wanting more. Never want to kind of overkill it, but yeah, these guys did a phenomenal job. And even though they were firing, firing rounds here, not quite. We're not talking about in a shoot sense, but we were. Man, they had some some really good points to make about one another, but mm-hmm. they just they let it sink in and and they let it be absorbed. And I think this was maybe like a five minute or so, six or seven minute promo altogether. But man, this was uh, one heck of a of a segment here, and again, this is why we wanted to highlight it because it's got so much context and gravitas behind it.
1: Yeah, and to to your point about the style of promo, like one of my favorite styles of promo. Is the Jake the Snake Roberts' style of promo, where he doesn't shout, he doesn't say anything that is over an octave that he wouldn't have in a normal conversation. Like I'm, I'm just saying now, everything is so deliberate, everything is so calm, and everything is almost too quiet, where you wouldn't have the fans shouting and cheering and reacting. They would be silent. They would be hushed as they would kneel in. To, to listen, to want to interact. And that is how you draw fans in. Like, if you have him uh, have him doing any style of promo, that was always my favourite style. It was just like, if you're calm, if you're collected, it's not like you have to always be shouting and angry. Like, that. yeah, sure, I love the shouting and angry. Um, and, you know, the, the absolute vitriol, especially whenever Max does it, like, Max is great, but, like, Whenever you have this sort of style, that it's slow, it's deliberate, it's enhancing the fact that I am now having to pay attention because I'm having a bit of a hard time understanding. Like, are you what What are you saying? And then you're starting to listen. You're starting instead of just hearing someone shouting. You go, "Oh, he's probably shouting about BS this, BS that." So the two dynamics, the the sort of context of the 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 conversation that went on here. Um, the things that were said, as soon as I watched this, I was like, that's a topic, need to tell PT that this is the one we're doing this week, and then he, like, we said at the top of the show, did you see that promo? I was like, the one at the end? I was like, no, the one way before that. I was like, that's the one I want to talk about, and it was just,
2: chef's kiss.
0: You bring up a really good point. I liken... The nature of different styles of promos to music. So you mentioned the Jake the Snake, right? The very deliberate, the very calm. I'm going to lure you in. You have to listen. I'm going to lure you in with my words and my cadence and my inflections, right? You're going to get invested in it. It's a different style. Now don't get me wrong. I love a really good old school 80s big fat sweaty man promo Think of Earthquake with Mean Jean. I love stuff like that. It's it's amazing because it's different, you know. <laughs> honestly, all due respect, I want I want us to bring back the big fat sweaty man shouty promo. <laughs> I would love to if we could. But like in it to music, right? You have or or a, a book or a poem or anything like that. You have you have these different styles, these different rhythms, these different cadences this different kind of level of organization. Not, it resonates with people different, you know, that's why we have different styles, again, much like a music or a book or a poem and things like that. And yeah, I think it lends itself to being the performer can accentuate those styles and they can really have you the the verbiage I want to find here, it can really resonate or kind of sink in with the person, and they can do a phenomenal job with these different styles. So, again, this kind of max we have a little bit of a formula here: lures you in with a, a bit of vulnerability, gets you to relate, boom, gets uh, tells you a little bit of that backstory, and then gets you and and you know fires out that chamber and just boom and gets that. It's that super intensity, but he saves it only for specific points that he's going to make. And then boom, drops that hammer right at the end. You know, it's like, it's like a song. You structure it like a song or a book and then boom, drops that hammer. And it ends with, you know, that catchphrase, I'm better than you. And you know, it, bam, you know, works well.
1: It does. It's, it's why he is one of the best in the game right now. Like I've stated, um, my thoughts on MJF's promos, what, what the, uh, Best way to uh combat his promos um would be uh how not to let him get, get away with it. Um but at the end of the day, that's all well and good me saying these things that you know, oh yeah, this is the best way to do it this is because this is this is how he how he acts, how he reacts. But you could always just get into trouble where he has the exact answer to uh the question that is how do you beat me and the answer nine times out of ten on the microphone is you can't
0: yeah just again we've as we talked about it in length here phenomenal promo rate right back and forth between these guys are just at the top of their game when it comes to or rating as well so we definitely suggest that you go check out the promo for yourself and then See if you agree or disagree, but definitely let us know down in the comments section below on YouTube, or let us know on Twitter, Instagram, what you thought of the MJF and William Regal promo from this past week's episode of AW
2: dynamite.
1: Let me know why MJF is not a tweener.
2: All right. Coming up to Quick
0: Hits, Uh, once again, for some of the folks that are newer here, Quick Hits are little segments that happened throughout the week that we wanted to highlight, that we really enjoyed, the sort of Pop the Boys segment that we're going to share here. And again, that we don't get a chance to kind of go full-fledged into a topic, but we enjoyed and we want to share it with you. So I have one here. And again, if you've been following the show here, this is another piece of the next segment of the ongoing bloodline storyline. Of course, the players here, Jay Uso and the Sami Zayn's and the the Jimmy Usos and the Solos. It's just you know, it's one of the things, again, we've been highlighting more recently. And it's just something that myself and Joker have really enjoyed. And, you know, again, there was a lot that happened in this world. Of wrestling this week, but as I'll mention in a moment, this was just really, really fun. And again, it's just about these little character beats that happen throughout, and I've just really enjoyed it and I wanted to share it. So, on this past week's episode of Friday Night SmackDown, after Solo Sokoa scores the victory over Sheamus, we see Jey Uso directing traffic and taking charge on an assault on Sheamus, which leads to a devastating attack with a chair against the ring post. We cut to a backstage, where the bloodline is celebrating, with Jimmy and Sammy chanting, we the once, to Jay's approval. Jay, in agreeance, says every week, they're leveling up. Sammy mentions Solo is a gem and doing so well, and sending a message through the entire locker room, no one messes with the bloodline. And while Sammy thinks their work here is done for the night, Jay responds with, Oh, they're just getting started. And once Logan Paul gets to the arena, they're going to get him too and complete the mission. Sammy responds, saying Roman assisted not to engage Logan at all and making Paul think that he's in the collective heads of the Bloodline members. It wouldn't be very oozy of them. Sammy asks Jimmy to back him up, and Jimmy responds with, My dog.
2: Jay agrees. But he's a hothead. And so we're just going to have to see by the end of the night what's really going to happen. We see the finish here uh, as
0: Jay blindsides Logan Paul during his promo. Jay gives Logan a super kick and then a rikishi splash in the corner. Sammy comes out and tries to reason with Jay saying you can't do this. It's not coming from me. It's coming from the tribal chief and he asks Jay to go the back with him to sort it out. but Jay goes for one last splash in the corner to Paul, but misses and gets laid out
2: with a punch from Paul. Ooh, man. So one of the reasons why I wanted to highlight,
0: again, if you've been sort of following along this, this bloodline storyline, one, Jay gets a bit of his ferocity back. And you know what that sort of take in charge he was like, he was the one that, you know, kind of was like that attack on Seamus. It's like, you know, grab me a chair, grab me a chair. And kind of like, Sammy's like, oh, okay, I'm going to, uh, let me get a chair. And, and, and Jimmy's like, yeah, I'm gonna get a chair for you type of thing. And they do that. You know, Jay kind of getting some, a little bit of kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm Roman's right hand, man. I'm his sergeant at arms. I'm his number two, man. What are you talking about? Trying to, trying I'm to sort of step back. Jay That's right. You know, exactly. Trying to get some of that, that ferocity back. And we see him, he's like, you know what, I'm gonna step up. You know what, and I'm gonna, we're not done. Take out Logan Paul. Totally. All right. That's Roman's opponent for the upcoming match at Crown Jewel. I'm gonna take him out, right? Gets it there, hits that super kick, hits that splash. Heck yeah. And then, you know, not to say there was a distraction from Sammy, but, you know, Sammy tries to be like, you know, trying to reason with him. And you can kind of see him like, all right, okay, you know what, like, okay type of thing you know what Ah, hothead boom tries to go for it back and then sort of backfires and gets laid out but that the nature of jay again trying to sort of take a little bit of that that control and that power back that he sort of felt like he had is maybe kind of losing touch with it you know it's just really great to see because again we saw him have to be reserved and have to be confronted by Roman in that sort of in-ring a couple weeks back, and Sammy quote-unquote saved him, and now Sammy's his boss, and, and, and Sammy's his problem, you know, so for, again, to see him take a little bit of that, that piece back was great to see.
1: I don't disagree. It was, uh, you know, I, I have loved the bloodline so as, as much as yourself. This This, to me, I feel like, that maybe Jay should have been under the thumb for a week or two longer and then snapped. This feels like it's a wee bit too quick for him to snap. Um, not the you know, this this is the inevitable outcome, uh, hundred percent But he's literally had Sami as his boss for a week. And I mean Sami's on the bump making solo Sakoa crack and corpse and uh, you know, he's he's cracking everybody up. He's got Jimmy out here saying two words now, he's just, he's just like, my dog, my dog, like, that. that's literally it, he has, you know, he can't do, you know, Seamus can't do this, and he, he does the, the handshake. He does the little handshake. Like, you know, now, now Jay is like, alright, okay, I'm gonna grab all this back, so if you had to wait it, like, another week or something, this would be a bit more impactful. This feels like, to me, it's just going, well, Jay needs to... To do this to give uh, Logan Paul an excuse as to why he's not gonna win against the tribal chief in two weeks um, I wasn't as big a fan of this section, but I did like the outcome um, and I did think that uh, Jimmy just saying my dog uh, is uh, is a highlight of the week.
0: I love that part too. I was gonna mention it too, and I'm glad you brought it up. Jimmy just you know he it was interesting to note that sort of. Jimmy was traditionally slightly more charismatic, you know, kind of getting, you know, a little bit of fun. And he would sometimes take a little bit more of the lead in promos with uh, when Usos kind of did them and stuff. But now we see a a, a trading of roles and and sort of a flipping of the relationship where Jay is a little bit more of the more prominent one in terms of promos and and then sort of character play. And, you know, we even still we see Jimmy's just sort of being kind of just charismatic and being chill. And like, you know, it was, um, the other Monday or so on Ryan was like, Sammy was addressing, everybody loves Jimmy. And he's like, Hey, what's going on, brother? I see you here. Hey, he's just the I more
1: Usy of yeah. the two Usos. Like he's just the more Usy. Yeah. That's all it is.
0: Yeah. But again, it's one of those where, again, we see the, the little flip of the, of the roles too, and comes to the brothers, which is phenomenal to see. And, I'm I'm in agreement. Like I I feel back, we've had the conversations over the past week where I, one of your pieces that was highlighted in a short where it was like we feel like Jake could be the boy that cried wolf and type of thing. I would have loved I would have agreed. It would have felt a little bit more cemented had just had that little backstage type of thing and been like, you know what? I'm gonna see how it plays out and then waited. I, I agree. But maybe it came down to the timing of What's like the timing of crazy? yeah like oh we had we had logan here what two weeks before the pay-per-view as opposed to like the the day before the or the thing before where it would have been slightly more impactful type of thing but yeah it, like had we just let it simmer and then that thing happened out of nowhere i felt like it would have been like oh okay yeah he he was just letting it fester and then boom that's when it happened so yeah little tweaks yeah. but still you know i think it's just regardless just great character work again from all these guys involved so
1: yeah, it's definitely there's definitely another direction that uh, the story with Jay can go. Um, I personally would have liked to have seen this sort of crumbling of Jay uh, and him being vindicated, as opposed to him taking this. And th- it is to your point; I was like him being a little bit more uh, hot headed is probably why he wasn't the one doing the promos, and now because the hot headedness is uh, the whole focal point, is why he gets to do these. So. My dog,
0: yeah, my dog indeed. We'll see kind of how it plays out. Um, one quick aside note. So I I didn't want to kind of poison well, but what what did you think of the Logan Paul promo? Like, did you did you feel anything? Did you p- kind of pick up anything? I just wanted to know your very quick thoughts on it. So
1: I read I read a post from him uh, talking about his uh, talking about his promo, calling himself "I am the table" and all this here, and he just he just says random stuff. I also saw a thing where he's not that comfortable on the mic. he just first do the stuff in the wrestling, and then like like I mean, yeah, but okay, like all of your promos have kind of been like middling, like I haven't really felt anything okay. hatred or you know, oh my goodness, that was so great. He's just there, right in my opinion, like i don't I don't know uh, it's it's hard to have an opinion of someone who is a celebrity who you're not sure how long the shelf life is going to be on, uh, because I mean, bad bunny was the previous one. We all loved him and now he's back to doing his recording artist, uh, lifestyle. Um, and how long is Logan Paul going to be here for really?
0: So the, the reason why I just wanted to kind of see if you kind of noticed or picked up on anything, uh, and it bring up really great points. It's just something I just listened to what he said and, I just, I had a couple quick notes and I just wanted to see if you had seen this. So, you know, Paul comes out a little bit of murmuring mixed reaction. We got some booze. He kind of almost had that like, ooh, kind of sort of thing uh, as well. But a little bit of a heel promo I picked up a little bit. He plays to the crowd because I think he was like born in Ohio or something like that where they film. So, you know, cheap pop. But he goes, you know, something to the effect of WWE diehards are doubting him and he calls them dummies. So it takes a a, sort of an inadvertent shot at those fans. But then he says he'd been down his whole life and he's kind of like sort of being cocky. He's like, oh, look at me now. He runs his mouth, but he's like being pseudo, like I'm confident in me and my abilities and the thing. And it's taking shots at the Heyman and the Usos and Solo. And I'm like, are you like not know how to like i know you're supposed to be the baby face you're mm. the baby face you're you know type of thing but like you're you're doing these weird kind of interactions and I, and not to say that he was supposed to be or trying to do a heel promo but i was like you're kind of doing like sort of heel things and it's weird and i was just like man you're like it almost made me think like oh the big baby face jay coming in to <laughs> vanquish the heel <laughs> it was so weird yeah
1: I mean you're not wrong. Yeah. I think that with a lot of these sort of um and this is the this is the sort of thing that I have with early Ronda Rousey uh and any other celebrity promo. You cannot tar them with the same babyface hail brush because they are a completely different brush into themselves. What they are is an intruder, an interloper, uh uh somebody in here to rile up the fans. Um and it's not necessarily because they're going up against a baby babyface; they're going against the status quo. I am not a wrestler. I am not a. Uh, I am not anything. I am a celebrity. This is my. This is my status. I am rich. I am powerful. I can say what I want. I can get away with it because you're just a dummy. So this is this is him, kind of you know painting uh, painting with that same brush. Uh, I liked the the fact that he mentioned you know he's you know, he, he addressed the hard cam. I was like, I'm not gonna address the hard cam right now, I'm gonna address it. I was like, okay, so you're using the terminology. I know, yeah. You you hundred percent know what you're doing here. So that which is which is why I was immediately like, okay, so he's not he's not a halo or baby he is trying to play up the celebrity here. So that's kind of where I came in with the the sort of thing. Okay. Um I as well don't see the bloodline as a heel or babyface to his celebrity I see them as the defenders of uh the defenders of the WWE and this sort of thing which you can take whatever way you want um you don't have to be a heel or a babyface to be a defender of uh of uh, the wrestling way of life
0: I appreciate your insight cuz I was like this the the, the- what you're giving me, Paul, is is a little bit weird. But I do I'm in sort of agreement with you that in this particular context, it's the the bloodline as the representatives of a traditional traditions of wrestling defending against. I like your terminology, the interloper, the intruder that's coming from the outside to kind of go. So yeah, I don't see them as babyface or heel. I feel like they're yeah, it's just sort of outside guy versus the business. So.
1: Yeah. And for those of you that are listening and have gotten this far, this was a quick hit that turned into a discussion <laughs> that is pretty much how PT and I spend our Friday nights. We we talk about one small thing, and then we talk about that for two hours, and then we get nowhere. So thanks for the 20-minute quick hit, PT.
0: Sorry about that. Thank you. I just want to share it. <laughs> it it inadvertent another topic. So <laughs> with that, uh, so that was my quick hit from this week, Joker... Do you uh do you have anything that you'd like to share?
1: No, I went from three last week to zero this week. Uh nothing kind of popped me to the levels, uh the levels of their of the uh superstar promos last month last week. But I do have to just quickly say quickly say everybody just keep an eye on Nyla Rose because her promos are fire.
0: Yeah, 100%. Uh, there was murmurings that may have been a potential quick hit, but yeah, either way, Nyla Rose is just killing it right now. Again, we Joker had a, a quick hit last week, which highlighted a bit of uh, the backstage promo and her character work and her Twitter stuff. Uh, we had another fun segment from her this week. So for sure, yeah. lots, of, lots of little things happened, but I'm with you. So lots of strong shows from WWE and AEW this week as part of the the world of wrestling but yeah we figured we this week we wanted just to highlight just a couple of sort of the uh the pieces that we really thought stood out yeah all right so if you folks have a quick hit that you'd like to share with us so let us know down in the comments below on youtube or hit us up on twitter and instagram let us know what you enjoyed in the world of professional wrestling all right so that about wraps it up for us joker how was that for you brother because that was fun today
1: it was it was good as per usual we go above and beyond what we say we're going to do short show be darned pt we know how to talk and a whole lot of nonsense sometimes yeah
0: huh? reminds me some of our prediction shows and we are like all right we'll just do a quick thing and uh oh some of our longer shows so
1: oh so you it's know for our podcast cool
0: there we go Shout out to the other folks out there having four hour long podcasts, but yeah, we had, uh, is one of those things. Again, we, we went with one dominant topic, but just another, just phenomenal conversation. A lot of subtext, a lot of pieces here that, yeah, we, we wanted to, to share with you and we got into a really good discussion. So I appreciate it, brother.
1: Yeah. And hopefully, uh, for the people listening along at home or, at, uh, on the, on the traveling to works or from, from works to home is, you know, as somewhat entertained and uh, in agreement uh, with what we have to say, or uh, they have uh, clearly turned off because we're just uh, waffling a little waffle. All
0: right. Well, we appreciate you hanging tight, and if you've been this long, thank you for watching and/or listening. All right. So for TF Joker, my dog, and for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be your part of the day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other.